1991, the first ever G1 Climax was born. Replacing the former World Leagues and IWGP League tournaments, this new tournament took the top heavyweights New Japan Pro Wrestling had to offer to see who truly was the best in the promotion. But not everyone got the opportunity to compete in the G1 Climax. After all, the G1 Climax was for the best of the best, and to be invited in was an honor in of itself. Some wrestlers never appeared, while some competed year in and year out. Today, however, we will be discussing the men that got the call only one time. This is G1 and Only. Welcome to G1 and Only. My name is Ryan Knightsey. On today's episode, we are officially back to not only watching wrestling matches, but of course, the round robin tournament of G1 Climax. And we have returned even more so to look at the careers of the G1 Climax appearances of two men, one heavyweight and one junior. Those men include Kazunari Murakami and Minoru Tanaka. So here's the thing. I did tell a slight white lie. You see, similarly to last week, not all of the footage for these matches seemed to exist. However, I did find the final night, the semifinals, and the finals of this 2001 G1 Climax from a television episode um, from Japan. So we have a win there, folks, which is awesome. But like last week, we're going to have to roll the cards and expand our assessment looking at the full career and the final matches of our participants despite a single match or mostly no footage every single one of these g1 and only wrestlers still deserve our respect there is a reason they made it into the g1 and only not many people do there is a reason they never did again and it's our job to discover that along with the history of new japan pro wrestling Plus, you already listened to a couple minutes of this podcast, which means that the sunk cost fallacy, one of those fallacies, I don't know, I'm not a professor, nor a doctor. That basically means you're already in for the long haul. So because of that, let's get to it! The 2001 G1 Climax is thankfully back to its familiar form, or at least familiar to modern New Japan viewers. The two-block round robin with two points for a win, one for a draw, and zero for a loss. 
This tournament format would stay in New Japan Pro Wrestling to this day. Taking place between August 4th and August 12th, this G1 Climax officially became the longest tournament in the company's history, but this was surpassed 40 years later. Additionally, the 2001 G1 Climax took after its predecessor and included two junior heavyweights into the tournament. Jushin Thunder Liger returned, and he was joined by a man we are discussing today, Minoru Tanaka. Trained originally as a shoot boxer, young Tanaka began his actual professional wrestling career with Fujiwara Gumi. That promotion was abandoned and became Battle Arts in late 1995. Battle Arts, if you do not know, was a simulated shoot wrestling promotion, similar to Pancrest of, uh, of an earlier age, and for modern people, very much a precursor to what is MMA and is eventually UFC. Well, they're not eventually, but what it becomes, UFC. Tanaka would do fairly well there until he left and joined New Japan full-time, starting with the 1999 Best of the Super Juniors. He quickly rose in the junior ranks, joining Koji Kanemoto to capture the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championships. During that time, Tanaka also won the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title after defeating last episode's subject in Tetsutio Takaiwa. However, everything came crashing down in 2001. Tanaka lost the single and tag titles and lost the finals of the Best of the Super Juniors to Jushin Thunder Liger. But he and Liger were both able to continue their year by entering the G1 Climax in 2001, making Tanaka the third junior to ever compete in the illustrious tournament. But before we look at Tanaka's run in the G1 Climax, we must look at one of his fellow Block members. Yes, that's right. Joining Tanaka in Block A of the 2001 G1 Climax is former MMA fighter and Anoki trainee Kazunari Murakami. Kazunara Murakami began training as a judoka and amateur wrestler in high school. He did so well that he was able to even join the judo team at university. Shortly after, he began a career in mixed martial arts. He began his career in 1995 and would continue fighting all the way into 2003, ending with five wins, one by knockout, and three by submission. But we aren't here to talk about MMA. Maybe Antonio Noki is, but we're here to talk wrestling. Murakami entered the pro wrestling landscape in 1998 under Antonio Anoki. With Anokiism on the horizon then, Murakami and fellow Judica Ogawa joined New Japan Pro Wrestling. Murakami began as a masked attacker called the, if I'm pronouncing this correctly, the terrorist of Heisei, 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 and splitting his time with battle arts. Murakami would challenge for the IWGP Tag Team Championships to a losing effort and would even visit Pro Wrestling Zero One and compete with his partner Ogawa. But it was August 2001 where Murakami would enter the 2001 G1 Climax. So here is what we're going to do. Since most of the footage is missing like Sonata's energy, I will run through the results of each night of Block A in the tournament. Night 1 begins with Minoru Tanaka taking on Tadao Yasuda, Again, a win is two points here, a draw is one, and after seven and a half minutes, Tanaka learned that a loss is zero points. Not a great start for the junior. Continuing with our journey, Kazunara Murakami wrestled Yuji Nagata in the semi-main event of the night to an eight-minute double count-out draw, giving Murakami and Nagata each one point. Block A, night one, ends with Nabu Nakanishi and Yasuda with two points. Murakami and Nagata with one, and Tatsumi Fujinami and Tanaka with zero. 
Moving along on night two, we have the match we wanted to see already off the bat. Tanaka and Murakami faced each other. We knew it was coming, but who could have guessed that this dream match would be happening so early, let alone the first G1 match of the night. Following a quick five minutes, the junior heavyweight Minoru Tanaka defeated NNA fighter Murakami. I could not, cannot believe what I was reading. Tanaka is not only a junior heavyweight, he is also not a champion, and he defeated Murakami, a guy that is four inches taller and 50 pounds heavier. That is completely astounding to me. The only reason, I, the reason it's astounding to me is that he's not a champion. He is way smaller. He is a junior. In New Japan lore, we know, even modern New Japan lore, we know that juniors against heavyweights almost never end well for the junior. However, here, Murakami gets a double countout and then a loss to a junior. Not looking great. The only reason I see fit is falling in line with New Japan tendencies. Tanaka was a full-time wrestler of New Japan, while Murakami was still a freelancer at this time, wrestling between New Japan and Zero One. Additionally, without looking ahead, maybe New Japan needed Murakami to lose a match somewhere because they don't want him to win the whole thing, but still have a good number. I don't know, but let's find out together. Block A Night 2 ends with Nakanishi and Yasuda with 4 points, Tanaka with 2, Murakami and Nagata with 1, and Tatsumi Fujinami with 0. On Night 3 of the G1 Climax, Kazunari Murakami takes on Tatsumi Fujinami, and I need to take back what I just proposed because not only did Murakami lose, he lost an astounding 36 seconds. This match time was the shortest G1 Climax in the history of the tournament until last year when Yano beat Hiroki Goto in 18 seconds. Honestly, amazing. I, I, can, I, I guess we aren't protecting Murakami. For Minoru Tanaka, on the other hand, he faced Blue Justice himself, Yuji Nagata, where he lost in a 12-minute and at 12 and a half minute bout the longest match for this episode. So on one hand, you have the longest match in 12 minutes versus the shortest match in 36 seconds, second shortest in G1 Climax history. I don't know why Murakami is here, but I don't know why Tanaka is getting so much respect. Block A Night 3 ends with Yasuda with 6 points, Nakanishi with 4, Nagata with 3, Tanaka and Fujinami with 2, and Murakami with 1. We're more than halfway through the G1 Climax, and honestly, I'm quite surprised by the results. Having Murakami, an MMA fighter, in dead last is honestly surprising to me. Maybe this leads to Murakami going on a run here, but at best, that's five points, which means he has been officially, mathematically, eliminated from the tournament tonight. Looking at Tanaka, he's sitting at two points, and if he wins the rest of his matches, he will sit at six. Yasuda would have to lose the rest of his matches so that they too end in a tie, but the tiebreaker of course would go to Yasuda already. So it's not looking good, but this outcome obviously isn't new for the show. But we're not here to talk about winners and losers, we're talking about the overall journey, not the destination. On night 4, Minoru Tanaka and Tatsumi Fujinami wrestled in an 8.5 minute loss, resulting in his official end of the line for the G1 Climax for Minoru Tanaka. 
On the other hand, Kazunara Murakami does get his tournament on track with a two-minute win over Manabu Nakanishi. That win is via disqualification, so really not that great here for Murakami. Block A Night 4 ends with Yasuda with 6 points, Nagata with 5, Nakanishi and Fujinami with 4, Murakami with 3, and Minoru Tanaka with 2. With our G1 and only wrestlers officially eliminated, let's finish out the tournament and see what their final scores are. But here's the thing, I have these matches, so let's pop on the DVD player and watch and break down Tanaka and Murakami's final G1 matches. Let's start with Minoru Tanaka. We start mid-match after a commercial break, with Tanaka getting a quick crucifix pin, then transitioning into an armbar. But Nakanishi reaches the ropes. Tanaka gives two stiff kicks, Nakanishi catches the third, hits an exploder suplex, and a huge lariat for two close pinfalls. Nakanishi then lifts up Tanaka into the Argentine backbreaker and gets the submission victory. Conclusion Despite not playing the full match and just being the finish, uh, unbeknownst to me, Tanaka did look good here. He had great-looking stiff kicks, and his speed is what was giving him his advantage, obviously. But as soon as Nakanishi showed an ounce of his power, it was all over for Tanaka. This, of course, sparked the end of Minoru Tanaka's G1 Climax, and sadly, he never returned to the tournament. This is due in large part to his size, but it turns out okay for him. A couple months later, Tanaka got back both the single and tag team junior titles, teaming up with Jushin Thunder Liger himself. His alliance doesn't end, though, because in late 2002, Tanaka began sporting a mask and calling himself Heat. He would do okay, but would turn on his longtime partner of Koji Kanemoto and join the CTU heel stable helmed by Jushin Thunder Liger. As both Heat and Minoru, he would win some more championships and have a fairly solid career. When CTU ended, Tanaka would join a new stable called Rise, but this would eventually mark the sunset of his new Japan career when younger stars like Shinsuke Nakamura and Prince Devitt were getting more shine. So after a decade, Tanaka left the company for All Japan Pro Wrestling. Tanaka would wrestle in All Japan till 2003, leaving again for, leaving again for Wrestle 1, Keji Muto's new promotion. Tanaka would have another stop in All Japan, but would settle in Pro Wrestling Noah, where he continues to wrestle to this day. No grade for Tanaka here, since I saw barely a minute of one match, but let's keep the train a-moving, folks, and watch Kazunari Murakami's final G1 Climax match against Tadao Yasuo. <laughs> The match starts hot, with Murakami just shooting punches right at Yasuda. Both men spilling to the outside, causing Yasuda to throw Murakami violently into the barricade. Back in the ring, however, both men struggled for control, but Yasuda takes down Murakami, giving some stiff kidney shots, then transitioning into a headlock. 
keep in mind, Murakami is mostly basically an MMA fighter. So this is an MMA style fight. So everything here is as stiff as possible. Yasuda gets off Murakami and the two go at it again, with Yasuda bringing Murakami to the corner and giving him knees to the ribs, even throwing down the ref to give more punishment. Murakami powders out but re-enters receiving more stiff shots from Yasuda. Yasuda goes for his finisher but Murakami reverses it and catches Yasuda with a knee to the face, bringing Yasuda to the ground, giving Murakami the mount into the corner. The referee is able to pull out Murakami, allowing Yasuda to get a drop kick and Tiger Driver for a close two. Murakami goes for another drop kick, but Yasuda gets a quick jab, knocking Yasuda out cold. Murakami goes for the pin, and before Yasuda can realize what happened, Murakami gets the win! Conclusion with another short match, Kazunari Murakami finally gets his first legit victory in the entire tournament. He started with a double countout, then lost to a junior, then lost in a 36-second embarrassing match. Then he got a win in DQ fashion, and then finally ended with a win. So what a journey for Murakami. And watching this match, it felt very MMA, non-stop shoot fighting action. And despite loving technical wrestling or hard-hitting striking, this shoot style turned me off. And I want you to say, I, I love, you know, things like Bloodsport, the sort of the modern day shoot style uh, promotion, I guess, <laughs> is what Bloodsport's sort of becoming. But Bloodsport just feels different to me, where this just felt a little off. Maybe because it was in a New Japan pro wrestling ring. You know, I've been watching New Japan for years now and seeing two guys have you scripted shoot fight like that just doesn't sit with me. I want the drama there. And maybe thinking about it in a historical sense, that is partly why Enochism didn't sit right with a lot of the diehard New Japan fans. I'm a huge fan of Ishii, Suzuki, Shibata, Vader, but I was not a fan of Murakami here. Doesn't mean he wasn't good, but I feel like I just can't judge that MMA style properly because it felt very much MMA when I'm looking for professional wrestling. Following the 2001 G1 Climax in early 2002, Murakami joined New Japan full-time, joining a heel stable called Makai Club with, funny enough, Tato Yasuda. The height of Murakami's career here was an IWGP heavyweight title match against Yuji Nagata where he did not win. Murakami would continue to fight in Japan, challenging for the tag team championships and having very hot feuds with the likes of Michiyoshi Ohara and in Inoue. In 2003, Murakami would compete in a series of three bounty matches, where the winner would receive money from Makai Club's leader, where Murakami, in fact, would win three of them, even against one of his pupils, Katsuria Shibata. Murakami would then take that money and challenge young up-and-comer Hiroshi Tanahashi to an empty arena steel cage match for the IWGP U30 Openweight Championship, but he was unable to win said match. Murakami was never able to win a singles title again, not even a singles title, a title in New Japan. 
Murakami soon left New Japan with his pupil Shibata. The two formed a shoot-style promotion in 2005 called Big Mouth Loud. The promotion wouldn't last long, and Murakami freelanced for a bit until he was sidelined with a severe brain injury, which forced him to get immediate brain surgery. But he was able to recover and return to professional wrestling, finding a new home in Pro Wrestling Noah where he has been, as recently challenging for the GHC national title, but again, not winning it. Continuing the trend of the 2000 G1 Climax, the 2001 G1 Climax tournament seemed to be locked in mystery. Based on the DVD I received, which was basically an episode of television, commercials and all, I would assume that many of the full matches will probably never see the light of day. But it's okay. This tournament seemed at least more exciting to me on paper than it was last year. And we got some footage as well, so there is that. I just... Personally, I want to speak to it. I just sort of want to be out of Enochism, I guess is what I'm saying at this point. I'm starting to see what New Japan historians were talking about. The early G1s were really amazing, really great stuff. Each match impactful. And yes, the footage doesn't exist here, so I can't watch all the matches to properly judge. But even on paper here, it just doesn't feel as exciting. Even two matches I did watch didn't seem as exciting. The shoot fighting seems off from what New Japan was at the time, or not even at the time, but before that. But we only have a couple more years, and based on the articles I'm reading, it looks like Enochism is about to hit its peak. But let's see what happens, folks. I'm here with you. In two weeks, we will skip 2002 and enter 2003 in stride. We have the full matches of the G1 Climax, and we are focusing on only one wrestler. A classic G1 and only is back, and we will return with a huge star, facing wrestlers the likes of Tenzan, Nakanishi, Nishimura, Chono, and Hiroshi Tanahashi. Yes, that's right, our first G1 and only appearance of Hiroshi Tanahashi, but we aren't talking about him. In two weeks, we will discuss the G1 Climax run of Jun Akiyama. But until then, please stay safe, continue to stay safe, everybody, and I will talk to you all in two weeks on G1 and Only. This has been a Countout Podcast.